We have been praying for a long time. We've asked a lot of a lot of questions, and one of the questions is, why move here? You know, God moved us out here about nine years ago, and I, I wondered why. I've always wondered why. We were real content where we were. Uh, everything we did was turned to gold. Everything worked well. Uh, and even worked well in Malibu. But we saw a change when we moved here. But we were sure of one thing, is that God called us here. And that really was perplexing. Why, if God called you here, would it be so hard? Why is it so hard to bring something about? You know, so we've been asking that question over and over again. Why? You know, and also the second question going along with that is, what's over this land here? If you've been around Santa Monica area very long, you know that churches fail at an unbelievable rate. Very few of them make it through. And the ones that make it through usually don't grow to be very big. They're very small. And if they have any size at all, which is not very many of them do, they've been here for 20 years. It's a real hard area. Why is it so hard? What's over the area? What stops it? What keeps God's spirit from being poured out here? And so it was actually through my wife's prompting and another friend of ours prompting we're talking about that they reminded us of Arthur Burke. Remember Arthur Burke? We, when, we, when they first started, we had this uh, seven curses and seven blessings that we talked about here, and we actually went through them. And there was a, lots of different curses, and it was a kind of a strange thing for us because the cross took care of everything. It was finished on the cross, but yet we found that some things remained on our lives. And some things that we had to renounce and break for them to come off. And there was a protocol to have that happen. We learned about protocol and honoring a little bit from the First Nations people. But also in this too, there's a protocol to break off what is on us personally. So I began to, begin to look at that. And, and we looked at, well, what is he talks about? And so I'm teaching some of his stuff. So I, I don't normally do that. But this stuff is so good, I can't duplicate it myself. But uh, he talks about a city has a redemptive gift over it. And so what is a redemptive gift over Santa Monica or L.A.? Mercy is what it is. If you think about it, you think about here, I don't know of very many towns that have as much mercy for the, uh, for the homeless. They do. I mean, they provide, uh, they allow them to do and say anything on the mall. They provide homes for them. They provide food for them. You can really come here and live here with nothing in Santa Monica because they have a lot of mercy for people. And so it, it's, it's the gift that's on this city. It's the calling on this city. Matter of fact, Santa Monica was named uh, after the mother of uh, uh, St. Augustine. Uh, is how, with the naming, where the name came from. It's mercy. So it's a mercy thing. So why? What does the enemy always do to kill? So, and to do that, well, I looked up under his redemptive gifts. Um, oops, wrong, wrong message up here. There we go. Yeah, I had already spent all week writing a message and got it shifted yesterday. Fun, spent all day working on it. Redemptive gift. Uh, L.A., Santa Monica, Mercy. Uh, uh, the stronghold over this particular area is self-gratification. That doesn't surprise you, does it? You know? <laughs> it really doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. I, you know, self-gratification is rooted in, uh, in stubbornness. Uh, uh, 
And the essentials for defeating it, according to him, is pleasing God over man. Because in an area like this, it's become man-pleasers. So I want to take a look at what he says. He calls it the Amorite uh, curse. Let's turn to Judges 11. And I'm going to have Karen read Judges 11. It's in the Old Testament. I make a joke of that, but you know, I've read the scripture for 35 years. I can't tell you the books in the line. I really can't. It's unbelievable. I figured the index has always been there. Why memorize it? <laughs> Judges 11, right? Judges 11. And that's actually a little, a little bit of scriptures. And we're going to go through the scripture, but we want to look at this, because this is where he understood this particular curse that comes against mercy. This is a curse that comes... Uh, uh, it's coming against you and I. It's coming against the city. And it's coming against the work of God in this area. I tell you this. I am excited about seeing this. Because I've, I've really scratched my head for years. All the years I've been down this area. What's over this area? And what's blocking it? I didn't understand it. You know, now I do. I do see it. I do understand it. And it all, it just absolutely ties in why I am here and my wife's here. And also it's going to tie in to why you're here. And, and it's an unusual p- group of people to be able to break this particular uh, curse, uh, to be able to work through it, to bring uh, healing to the city. It takes an unusual group of people that have been uh, hurt in a certain way and blessed in another. So, go ahead. Okay, now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a large band of rebels following him. About this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. And when the Ammonites attacked, the leaders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. They said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, aren't you the ones who hated me, drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you are in trouble? Because we need you, they replied. If you will lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said, If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the leaders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the leaders of Gilead, and he became the ruler and commander of the army at at Mizpah. In the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he said to the leaders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, demanding to know why Israel was being attacked. The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent his message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon, and when the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent the messengers to the king of Edom, asking for permission to pass through the land. But their request was denied, and then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around to Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River, but they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab. 
Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Hezbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get to their destination. But King um, Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over the king. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River and from the wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it to you? You keep whatever your God Shemosh gives you, and we'll keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make cause against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war? No, of course not. But now, after 300 years, you make an issue of this. Israel has been living here all this time, spread across the land from Hezbon to Eror and all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord, who is judge, decide today. Which of us is right, Israel or Ammon? But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, and including Mizpah in Gilead, and led an army against the Amorites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord the first thing coming out of my house to greet me, When I return in triumph, I will sacrifice this as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He thoroughly defeated the Ammonites from Aror to 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 an area near Minnith, 20 towns, as far away as Abel-Kerimim. Thus Israel subdued the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter, his only child, ran out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. My daughter, he cried out, my heart is breaking. What a tragedy that you came out to greet me, for I have made a vow to the Lord and cannot take it back. And she said, Father, you have made a promise to the Lord. You must do to me what you promised, for the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me go up and roam the hills and weep with my friends for two months, because I will die a virgin You may go, Jephthah said, and he let her go away for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept his vow and she died a virgin. So it has become a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Okay. Okay. Now, this, i got to admit, when I first heard uh, Arthur Burke go through this, first of all, it was a very depressing scripture at best. Uh, and I frankly didn't get it. So I had to go through it and had to take a look at it. Now, the first thing you see, there was a, a just cause, wasn't it? Now, when he talked about that when Israel was tr- promised, going through the promised land, they just tried to go through the land. They wouldn't let them do it. They said, no, you're not coming through. We don't trust you. We don't think we don't think you have honor, which also means your God doesn't have honor. And so they finally got in his way, even when he tried to go around it. So they actually, the Lord told them to take it, and they took it, and that was theirs. And, there's, and he says, basically, hey, our God gave it to us, and we're not giving it back. 
which Israel today should learn that lesson, because it was the truth. It was his. They shouldn't give it back. So there was a just cause. Now, what did you note about Jephat? I've already pronounced Jephthah. What did you notice about him? What about his family? Tell me about his family. What did you guys note? Yeah, let's get really down to how would you have a bad upbringing? How would you have a bad childhood? Okay, this guy's dad went out, had a relationship with a prostitute, and got pregnant. He's a result of it, okay? Now, that doesn't make you very popular in the city as a child. It doesn't make you very popular with your brothers and sisters because later his wife had children, and those children grew up and hated him. So, here's a, here's a young man that did nothing wrong, but was hated and rejected by everyone. It says that the city helped run him out of town, because when his dad finally died, so his dad was dead, his only, only real, you know, love of a family was, was gone. You know, his brothers and sisters, stepmother hated him, the city hated him, everybody hated him. Bad deal. Would we not agree? That was a bad deal. You wouldn't like to have that happen to you. You wouldn't like to be that person. So he had some pain and suffering. He had some things to overcome. He had some hurts and stuff in his life that, 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 that he was carrying with him. Now, many of us have hurts like this. Uh, maybe not that particular one, maybe that particular one. But we have some hearts where brothers and sisters didn't like us. Uh, parents didn't treat us right. Friends, families didn't treat us right. Pastors didn't treat us right. Lots of different people didn't treat us right. Now, here you have this man. Comes from a broken background. Okay. And so it says that he went out. And it depends on your version of the Bible. Uh, my NIV says he went out with the adventurous group. Uh, the good news says a bunch of scoundrels. And the uh, message says riffraff. Uh, the point is, he went out and he hung out with the wrong crowd. And in that crowd, he became even more bitter. You know, have you ever been around a bunch of people that are malcontent? That's what they spout. They spout about how everything's been treated them wrong, how everything's wrong, and how I'm not getting the fair deal, and how it shouldn't happen to me, and how it just isn't fair. And you're bitter about it. Now, that's a lesson to us too, isn't it? Right there. They're, we hang around people doing that. We're proclaiming long, wrong things. So what happens? The Israel, I'm, they were getting attacked by this other nation for a reason they shouldn't be attacked for in God's eyes, but in their eyes legitimately. So they were going to be attacked. And so they went out to get the baddest boy in town, right? They're going to get the mean dog, the pit bull. That's what they went for. They wanted the hardest, toughest guy around, and so that was him. So they went to him, and he says, you know what? You rejected me. You wanted nothing to do with me. You said that I'm worthless. I'm not worth your time. Don't even be in our town. Why should I help you? As soon as I get done with this, you're going to dump me. And they said, yeah, whatever, but we need your help now. He says, okay, promise me this. Promise me this, that when I get done, if I whip these guys for you, okay, that I can be your leader from here on out. In my mind, that's not a bad deal. I mean, what's wrong with that? 
Unfortunately, it was. There was something wrong with that. The unfortunate part of that was, that was going past what God was doing. You see, though he had been treated wrongly and had a poor shake on things, God brought some justice to him by having everybody come to him and say, help us, you be our leader. And that was good, and that's what he should have done. But when he decided to take a step further and grab something that didn't belong to him, that God wasn't doing, he ended up getting in trouble. And this was something that was representing that what was going on in his life. You see, when, when, when you've not been honored by people and you've been rejected by people, what comes up in you is a desire and a need to be accepted and looked up to. Okay? If he had dealt with that as a child, he wouldn't be in the situation that he's in. Because he hadn't, he needed to be validated. And he wanted to make sure. You know, the next thing he did is he said a vow to the Lord. Now, God did not ask him to make a vow. There are times God asked people to make a vow. He did not ask him to make a vow. But because of his great desire to be accepted, the accepting was on the other side of winning, he made a vow. Whatever comes out that door... I'm going to give as an offering to you. God didn't ask him to do that. His insecurity did. And in doing that, he ended up cutting off the number one. It was his only child, his only fruit that he had. He ended up cutting it off. And not only did he cut it off her, but because they make a big point to let you know that she would never she was a virgin. She had never been with a man. And she was never going to marry. And they sent, for two months she went out and had, a, you know, with her friends, lamented and cried because of not. So what God's doing in the scriptures, he's highlighting twos of what? Prophetic people. It's a witness. This is a witness to you. This, this line is being cut off. Because from that point on, they didn't have any other kids. She wasn't going to ever have any kids. So not even the slightest fruit was going to come from him down the road. And he didn't live that much longer after that. So what is this, what is this curse about? This curse is about trying to legitimize yourself by what you do when God's actually doing it for you. It, it's, it's the thing of having and not dealing with the hurt in your life. And because of that, having barrenness from there on out. Because might as well as been if he had never had children, right? Because the only one he had was gone without reproducing, without ever being married, without anything. If he at least had married, there would be another family member. But without anything from that point on. So that this particular curse is a curse of barrenness. Now, I think you can't look at this area, and not see barrenness. It's everywhere, as far as, especially in the churches. Because churches is what? God's mercy to people. It's his redemptive power. And what has happened is the enemy has come in and allowed and caused 
us to be cut off our reproduction, our ability to reproduce. Now, that is what is over this area. It's a curse. It's a curse that comes from trying to prove yourself and legitimize yourself in the eyes of man when God really wants to do it and has a plan to do it. And because you try to do that, you become focused and tied to the pain of the past. So, so you get what I'm saying? What happens is because I want, to, I want to feel good about myself. I am so in touch with what my past hurts were and so anchored in those hurts and those emotions. I begin to act from that rather than act focused on God. See, God wants to bring, God's heart is to bring Redemption and validation to each and every one of you, as the word was given this morning. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring validation and redemption to each and every one. He wants your name to mean something. That's his heart. That's what he wants to do. But we're too busy trying to earn it. Now, we are the perfect group of people for this. We're a people, I know you guys, a lot of you have been really hurt over a lot of different things. You know, some from the ethnic background, some from what your parents did, some from what people did, some from what churches did, some from what lots of different reasons. Now, in my mind, that would make me not the person to break the curse over this area. Personally, I came from a lot of brokenness. Personally, I came from a tremendous amount of brokenness. I spent a lot of years focusing on two things, really one, God, and to be able to do what God called me to do, I had to get healed up. Now, uh, Arthur Burks calls it your birthright. See, our birthright is our calling on our life. Our birthright is what he made us for. We talk about our calling or what God made us for, for the kingdom. Because we're made for this kingdom. We're made to bring about his work and to bring redemption to mankind. See, we were planted here, Karen, I, and each and every one of you, for the purpose of bringing redemption. How do we bring redemption? We have to do two things simultaneously. We have to, first of all, in Christ, centered on Christ, we have to seek that we fulfill our calling, our birthright. And we have to seek healing in our life. Can't do one or the other. We have to do both. Because it takes a person healed of those things to break the curse. It takes someone that has become whole or in the process of becoming whole. I don't know we're ever going to be whole until we can bring home. I know I'm not. You know, it's when we come home, we'll be made whole. But it's, that's the particular person that he's looking for. Now, what it does for the churches, unfortunately, and it has done for us, is it makes us somewhat barren. I, I, I've got to say, the churches around here, including this one, are barren. It's usually a shuffling game. People move from one church to the next church. But how many new people come into the kingdom? A few. Anything compared to the effort we put for it? No. 
barrenness. A barrenness. Now, we got this barrenness, one, because of the things we went through, personally, but also corporately, because of being in this area and being in contact with other barren things. For example, if you've been in a church for any time, you probably went through a multitude of church splits, or pastors or leaders falling, or somebody severely stepping on your toes, all those causing hurts. Very often, and it's something that's always bothered me, I'll be talking with people and they'll talk about how this pastor did this or this leader did this. And and God gifted me with that thing. I didn't walk with that. So I've had people step on my toes. And, and, and that was not one of the things. Mine came from childhood child stuff. But I would look at that and go, why are they there? Well, just forget about it, guys. Get past it. But they don't. And they've chosen not to. They've chosen to look at it and see it. And because they're focused on it, they become what they're focused on. God's looking for a group of people that will say, yeah, I've been hurt. Yeah, it was not right and not good. It does not feel good. But I'm going to seek that I become who I'm called to be, and I seek the healing in my life. The people that are surviving here are those type of people. And God will bring other people as we become more fertile in who we are. It's all right to say that we're not being real fertile. I've, I've looked around. Nobody else is either. You know, It's a hard thing. Most, maybe like, You guys don't see it, but I see all kinds of church starts because I go to the Westside Pastors. And they're here for usually six or seven months and they drop out. Because it's hard. Very hard. And they don't know what they're up against, as, as I didn't know I was up against. I moved here. What Yeah, go ahead. Um, Turn on. I'm on. Um, We were, because Gary and I have actually been working on this thing together. Um, Why we believe God sent us here to do this work is because of what we've been through in our life. And I was kind of talking about it a little bit when we were in um, our intercessory prayer this morning. Um, Gary is an only child. His mother was barren for 13 years. Gary almost died, and his mother almost died when he had him after his parents were married for 13 years. And then his mom died of ovarian cancer. Then, um, but he, you know, and he had a rough childhood, but when he got saved, his first wife left him, took his two kids and everything he had. And so, but he kept pressing on you know, and trying to go for his birthright. He believed what God said he was going to do in his life. So then when we got married, um, I was from a divorce situation too, and we decided we were um, going to do a ministry. We, We helped do a church plant. That pastor fell horribly and um, that spirit of, um, you know, abortion, that spiritual miscarriage that happened then kind of comes on to your life. It kind of multiplied over us. I was barren for seven years. I'm from a family that no one in my family was barren. Gary obviously could bear children. So it was like, what's up? I, I worked at UC Irvine. They did all the tests. I had everything was fine. Seven years, I finally conceived a child. And this was after this church split. And... Um, 
we lost seven, uh, three children after Gracie. Now, that's kind of an, a backwards thing to finally conceive. And then we kept having miscarriages every year after that. And then <clears throat> going back to Anaheim Vineyard um, and coming back under John, um, there was a lot of spiritual miscarriages and, and spiritual abortions that happened. And because you, when you're in a church and you covenant with them, you covenant under their authority. And so some of those things just kind of just kind of follow you uh, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And so we ended up, um, we were there when, um, when the pastor that was going to take over the vineyard fell. He, he was actually lived next door to us. So we had that thing happen. And so, but we kept, the, the, to tell you all that is to tell you that we kept pursuing God. You know, we kept, we went to ministry school. We, we wanted to see God in everything that we went through. We just kept pressing through. And then at Anaheim, finally, even after burying John Wimber and his son and, and all the things that happened there, we were still there and they were bringing a new pastor in and God sent us out here. After we were really successful in our home groups, we were on boards there. God blessed what we did. We saw, uh, people miraculously healed, you know, eyes going back into their sockets, all kinds of great stuff. You know, we, everything we did, God was blessing. We kept pursuing. And so he sent us out here and what Arthur Burke says, and we, the light bulb went on with us. Uh, is that because, and, and, and you are part of this too, we're, we have things from our past, we have things that we're pressing through, but because we're pursuing our birthright with a vengeance and our calling of God on our lives with a vengeance, you know, um, that we have the authority, we're going to have the authority to see that happen in we the land. The yeah, and there's also the, my mentor, uh, one of the most powerful, according to John Paul Jackson, prophetic people he's ever met, one of the most mystical, fell like I've never seen anybody else fall. I came up to a place where I didn't trust people because most everyone disappointed me. And so I got learned to develop an attitude that I didn't expect that from people. I mean, I didn't expect them not to. And so if they didn't disappoint me, it was just a plus. But the idea and the reason we say that is because there's tenacity that God gave us and we chose to go with it, is to push through the hard stuff. I mean, I do not think there's a harder place to plant a church in the world than, than right here. I, I really, I've been, all, I've been around. You know, this is a hard ground. But where the darkness is, the light's so much brighter. You know, why does God move us here? Because he loves Santa Monica. Believe me, I didn't. But he loves Santa Monica. He's all about this town. He loves it. I learned to love it too. But he loves this town. Why did he bring us to the hard work? Because he loves this town. He is not concerned with our comfort. He's concerned with his kingdom and the people that are being lost. I did a little search on the web here a little bit because I had heard that the guy who wrote the Satanic Bible uh, wrote it actually here even though he lived in San Francisco. Couldn't find validation of that or not. But I did find that there is a large satanic network in this area, unbelievably large. I ran across it all over the place. Darkness. God wants to bring honor. And how is he going to bring that honor? How does he go past that stuff? You know, we cannot be people that are anchored in our pain from the past. We have to be people that are absolutely set on possessing the calling or birthright in our life. We have to be those people. It is not easy. 
you know, I mark my life by a lot of really, really hard stuff that God's developing. But after you go through hard stuff and you keep on pressing through, you get a greater strength to do it because God strengthens you. So the enemy cannot destroy you with an easy push. We learn to push through. So L.A. industry, all the, uh, uh, the, air, the area here is all marked with those things. Now, um, Arthur Burke's example was very much like ours, uh, our life. He had actually talked about examples, some people that, and how he discovered this with some people that had been very successful in business and ministry. Their, ministry, their business was just an excuse to do ministry. And God moved him to this other town that he didn't have the success with. What they found that every time they would, they'd have client meetings with people and they'd look for the opportunity of this to minister to them, they'd minister to them. And what would happen is they would get blessed, but that would be the end of it. They would never ask anything about God or anything else or bring other people around or anything else like that, kind of like here. Huh? The seed was stolen. I can't tell you how many people I've had here that have told me their life has absolutely changed. And they're not here. I mean, it was, it was a good thing that everything we did was good and brought fruit, but the seed, seed didn't stay. Why? Because barrenness. They just shifted from one place to another. They won't stay there either. They'll shift over and over again because that's the thing. Now this man, so he began to look at this, what is going on with this thing? And he looked at and discovered that the city he moved into happened to be a city that's, that was on it was mercy. And of course, this truth is what he came and derived out of it. Now how do you break that? What do you do about it? Because there is something to do about it. And so we're going to do this together. Uh, so, it's our annunciation. Because uh, he brought us here to break, penetrate the stronghold and break that. He brought us people that would not be put down. That would will learn how to go through and press through. And I know you guys. A lot of you guys are really, really powerful at going through that. So, the prayer we're going to do is going to be in, in several areas. One is to forgive those who we perceived, or they may actually have, rejected or hurt us. Okay? Now, now this could be anybody. This could be your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your school teachers. Or it could be your pastor, your leaders. Somehow, I, mean, even, I won't even mention Doug Addison. Doug Addison had to move because the enemy was killing him here. You know, and one of the prophetic guys says, you need to move or you're going to get destroyed. You aren't going to, you aren't going to make it through. So he moved, but it hurt a lot of people. Didn't mean to hurt him. He had no intention to it. He wanted to do a work here, but he couldn't because he wasn't called to do it here. And he was going to, he wasn't making it. Was, he's getting squashed. You know, he probably didn't have the giftings to line up with what God wanted to do. He's got great giftings, but certain people for certain areas. So, so we, we're going to do that. will be the first area. Uh, uh, and then we're going to ask God to forgive us. So we're going to forgive those and then forgive us. Now, it was an interesting thing I saw. I was watching a movie uh, this week, and it was about the Catholic, well, it was about the, the priest that had molested a bunch of kids. You know, it was a horrible thing that had happened over the years. And what was really interesting is at one particular, probably the, one of the high points of the movie, in my opinion, is this 
there's a whole group of guys going through there and meeting together, talking about it, and they were pressing it and the person, you know, getting charged, these priests. But one of the one guys tells a story about the priest that had molested him. And they actually had a whole group, a large group, many, many times the size of this group of people, of survivors of this priest. And he actually said when this guy was on his deathbed, the Lord had him go over there and ask him first to forgive him for what he held against this priest. I was touching. That was the first thing, to forgive them. For, forgive me, he's saying, for what the anger I've held against you. And then he moved on to that for forgiveness for him. It was powerful. And that's the truth. And that's how things work. And then we're going to break it. So let's stand up. Everyone stand up now. And what I want you guys to do is to just bow your heads there. And I want you to think of every person that's hurt you. Every person, whether it's family members, friends, school teachers, schoolmates, church people, leaders, pastors, whatever. You've been through church splits, whatever. And now what I want you to do is, 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 is first go there and, uh, and forgive them. Okay, I want you to forgive them for that. So take a minute and do that. Lord, we ask that you would bring to mind everything. Release your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guard each heart right now. And if that little thing in you says they don't deserve it, then remember this one truth. You're either judged by God's mercy or by the law. And if you hold something against someone, you've just chosen to be judged by the law. And there's no measure. One sin's enough to cause you death. Whether you have one or ten million, it doesn't matter. You get the same judgment, death. So it's the mercy we have to have. So, Father, I ask that you empower them in this forgiveness. I ask that you would give them the strength and the authority in their heart to break and to actually forgive. Whether the emotions fully go along with it or not. That we choose to forgive each and every person that has wronged them. Whether it's me or Karen or someone in here or someone from a class place. Or whoever it is, Lord, I ask you to bring forgiveness in their hearts, Lord. Yes, Lord, and especially for any uh, people in the church, Lord, leaders in the body of Christ. God, I ask that you would uh, bring, um, that that we would forgive them, O God, for um, any offenses, O Lord. Because we want to reverse that spiritual miscarriage uh, in our lives, God. And for any father or family member that has sinned against you, I ask you to forgive them. Just forgive as you forgive me. Uh, and, and any pastor or leader, forgive them as you forgive me. I'm sorry for what they've done. I truly am. I repent on the heart of every father, every pastor, every brother, every uh, friend that ever hurt you. I repent on their part. Now, Lord, I ask you to forgive us. The next step is forgiving us. We're looking for legitimacy from friends and family, leaders and teachers, prophets and pastors. 
You know how that is? You go out there and you want the leader to acknowledge you, the, the prophet to call you out, all that stuff for legitimacy when only God can give you legitimacy. And holding on to the wrongs rather than turning to God. So, I, Lord, we ask for forgiveness for that. We ask for every time that we've looked to legitimize ourselves in any other way than to coming from you, we ask for forgiveness. And, Lord, forgive us, too, for not seeing when you uh, made a way for us, Lord, for not even seeing how you would compensate for the things from our past or the sins that have been cast against us, God. Forgive us for not seeing, Lord, and for not choosing to see your hand in, in areas, Lord, where you have brought redemption, Lord. Forgive us where you have brought redemption from the past, Lord God. Forgive us if we didn't see it or recognize it, and we honor you now in its place. So by the authority of Christ that he's given me, I break the curse over each and every one of you. The curse of barrenness, miscarriages, and abortions that have been over you. I break the power of those things over your life right now. I release the blessing of God in this place. That the Lord could bless you the way he wants to bless you. That his heart would come upon you. I I bless you. Yes, Lord. Just feel the presence of God rising. I can feel the real strong presence of God. So, Lord, lift their faith up. Give them hope in who you are. Give them hope in what you're doing. Give them hope in this new freedom that you're bringing. Yes, Lord. We, we ask now that you would uh, bring fruit in every single life, Lord. We just break the power of the spirit of abortion, the spirit of, of, of miscarriage and barrenness over this body. And, Lord, we speak life in its place. And we ask that you would come and restore those things that have been robbed and stolen right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they will pursue their birthright, Lord, that they will pursue the things that you have called them to, God, that they would see your redemptive hand in everything. Thing, Lord Jesus, and we just commission them now. We recommission your your um, your birthright. We recommission your destiny within the kingdom of God in this place and in this hour, in this moment, and in this city, and in the and in commerce as well. Lord God, I ask for for your uh, redemptive hand to bring restoration to the to commerce in their lives. Lord God, for their finances too. Lord, that there is fruit in their finances. There is fruit in their commerce. So there's fruit in their connections, Lord God. And the things that they would pursue, even education. I just thought of you, Sandra. I, I speak blessing, Lord, that nothing would come against that thing that she wants to pursue that you've put in her heart and you've put in her mind to do, Lord God. I bless that, Lord Jesus. I bless every single thing that you've planted within them, that it will not be stolen, that the enemy would have no place within them, that even in friendships and relationships, Lord God, I ask for any any relationships, Lord, in this in this house that have had had a, a spiritual miscarriages in, in relationships, even for marriages, Lord Jesus, I ask for a restoration of that in this body, this moment, oh God, that you would bring a restoration in that as well, that they would be able to move forward. And if their birthright is to be united with a, a, uh, with another uh, person, Lord God, that you would bring that into their lives, a husband or a wife, Lord Jesus, we thank you that if that is the commissioning in their life, Lord Jesus, that they have a birthright that is what you have intended we ask that you would bring it to pass in the name of jesus that it would not be robbed within their uh lifetime or god lord i ask to forgive them and to break the thing that causes them to to step past what you're doing 
to get uh, uh, to be seen, to be covered, to be okay, when it's really they're okay right now, and that you're empowering them and changing them. So I bless them right now. I speak a blessing over each and every life here that they would have a hope that would rest solely and completely in you rather than what they can do or bring about. That they would have the peace and the rest to be able to sustain their life knowing that you're a God that loves them and genuinely wants to give them everything. That you're a good God that looks on them with favor. I break the lie of the enemy that, that, that there's something turning from you. There's something that is not... Uh, right about you. But I speak the pronouncement of blessed and forgiven over each and every life here. Forgiven uh, and free. I speak freedom over everyone here. I speak freedom over everything that God's called them to do, that they would be able to accomplish fully and be, and be reproduced fully all the things that you've ordained for them. So we bless them with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, a great heritage. We bless them with a great fruitfulness. We speak uh, the blessing that the Lord said, go and be fruitful and multiply. We, we bless each and every one there. We bless, uh, we bless when we do outreaches that it would be fruitful and have great fruit, that it would not be stolen afterwards. We bless when we share. Yes, yeah, so we bless them when we share with our neighbors and our friends that you would uh, be there and there be salvations and changed lives. We bless them that when you give, that your finances will be blessed. I bless when you give to your friends, it'll be blessed. And give the church will be blessed. In every area that you give of yourself and your finances and anything that comes from you, there will be a blessing. I break the power of the enemy to steal the seed and the fruit. I break the power of that right now. And I just bless the seed of hope and faith in each and every heart. That you say it's like a mustard seed, that means it has to grow. So we bless that, that it will grow. And it's like every seed it produces, when it comes fully grown, it reproduces. So I speak reproduction to you. Reproduction all the way through each and every one of you. I speak the favor of that right now. And I break any anxiety that would say no. I break any lying spirit that would come up against that. I break the hold of that, and I release more fruitfulness and blessing in your lives. And I bless them with uh, uh, the ability to know you have something to give, that there is something in you to give. I break the lie that you're a penny waiting for change. I break the lie that you're lacking. I speak the fruitfulness of God in you because your, your adequacy comes from the Lord, not from yourself. Adequacy from the Lord. So I bless that right now. Bless the adequacy that comes from God. Hope. All the way through. Hope. And I speak glory over each and every one of you. I speak the glory of the Lord. The favor of the Lord. The honor of the Lord. We speak honor over you. The Lord honors you. That's the truth. The Lord honors you. Hope, glory.
Let your fire come, Lord. We just release your presence. Oh. Now, if anybody wants prayer for anything, including this or anything else more, come forward and we'll release the rest of you. Lord, we ask your blessing on each and every person here. We ask for your favor, uh, that you'd bring honor to each and every person here, and that you would uh, uh, bring insights and blessing. Amen. Amen. Oh, by the way, if you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, God's been really showing up big time. I mean... Bigger than on Sundays. Big time. He's really showing up, bringing healing, deliverance, and lots of different things. So I want to invite you. Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Bless you. And like I say, anybody wants prayer, come forward. Otherwise, have